1: It is Monday, January 31st, and this is Blake Wilson, Lifeline's Vice President of Operations. And we're going to continue our study this morning in the book of Romans. We've just got a few more weeks left in Romans, and today we're going to be rounding out chapter 14, looking on into chapter 15. And today is just a a great study and a great reminder of how often we dwell and get consumed in the things that just don't really matter. And this is what um, Paul is reminding the church at Rome of in this passage of Scripture, of uh, getting sidetracked and letting our own biases and personal convictions dominate um new opportunities to expand the gospel. And as we studied last week, and if you look back in the prior part of Romans chapter 14, you can see that there is some judgment, there is some contempt happening in Romans chapter 14. And he even calls them out there in verse 10, and he says, you then, why do you judge your brother and sister? Why do you mistreat them with contempt? So you know that what Paul is calling the church of Rome out on is just some some judgment, some contempt that is happening, and he starts in Romans fourteen and verse thirteen of a therefore, and he's he is reminding them that they have been um, judgmental, and he is reminding them of of refocusing um, on the things that matter. So, really, what we're talking about here in the latter part of chapter 14 is the need to keep our eyes on who He is and and not get sidetracked and not get caught in the weeds um, and focus on those things that matter and not to cause one another to stumble over things that may or may not be important to us. And I think there are all different kinds of these gray areas that we can see um, throughout this passage of Scripture. But there's, there's things and there's doctrines here that are just a little fuzzy, a little questionable and things that may be not directly black and white uh, addressed within scripture. And this is what Paul is telling the church of Rome today. So let's just look at this passage of scripture. And it says this, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean for if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love, but what you eat by what you eat do not destroy the one for whom Christ died so in these in these first three verses, Paul is talking about these issues that are dividing the church, but at the end of the day they're really not worth it. Let's focus on. Um, encouraging unity among our brothers and sisters. Let's maintain peace and honor each other's convictions. And let's remember that each and every one of us are an image bearer of Jesus Christ. But let's not let these things be a hindrance. Let's not let these things be a roadblock for us. And let's not pass judgment on one another. Because something that may not be a big deal to us may be a big deal to others. So let's be self-aware. Let's gain perspective and keep that in mind as we make decisions in our Christian walk. It says this um, in verse number 16. It says, um, So you do not let what you regard as good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but it's of righteousness and peace and joy. It's not a matter of what we um, think is correct to put in our bodies, but it is keeping perspective on what the Lord has called us to, and that is to live a righteous life, a life of peace and of joy, and to abide in the Holy Spirit. Verse 18 says, Whoever Thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual um, upbuilding. Do not let the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but if it's wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats, it is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything that causes another brother to stumble. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what approves. But whoever has doubts and condemns if he eats because of the eating is not by faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. I think, you know, as you as you look through this picture, we are reminded that as God's people, we, we cannot let our desires or our convic- convictions Cause contention, um, you know. It is it is up to us to seek God's kingdom priorities and and to build good relationships with others, and overall, just to seek unity and faith through the Holy Spirit. Um, and this is the attitude that that God is looking for. It's not to cast judgment. It's not to um, allow a disagreement over um, what we choose to consume or what we don't choose to consume. But it is to glorify God in all that we do, and to realize that our choices can and will impact those around us, and to be self-aware enough to know that the choices we make will impact those watching. You know, there's nothing truer than this as of a parent and understanding that everything you do is under a microscope, and um, often our instructions for our children are thrown right back in our face of the things that we say they shouldn't do, um, and when we do them, they are quick to call us out. My kids are now 5, 10, and 11, and especially my older ones are very quick to say, Dad, you told us not to do this, or you said this is bad for you, or you said you can't have too much sugar, or you know whatever it may be. Um, how quickly they are to call me out if they see me eating a candy bar or eating a bowl of ice cream or um, doing something which I have told them they have to do in small portions you know it's it's uh we learn so much as parents and really are i feel like the lord gives us our children to keep perspective and keep balance in our in our in our lives and in our walks but we have to be aware that people are watching us and that you know god may reveal something to me and reveal something to my family that uh, we feel is just something we need to avoid um but it doesn't necessarily mean that we have the authority to criticize another family, um, for exercising that freedom. So there's this, there's this balance, and this is what Paul is saying here in Romans chapter 14, is that we can't criticize other believers for doing something that is uh, what he would call a gray area um, in, in, a, in an area that's not clearly defined in Scripture. But at the end of the day, We have to step back and understand that people are watching, that our decisions are impacting those around us, and that we have to be cautious and courteous of what that is. So it may be a big deal to others. And if it is a big deal to them and those around us, then we're called to abstain. We're called to, to be considerate of that and to understand that we don't know the past circumstances and history and events that other people have experienced that could Trigger um, trigger something in the in them um, that's uneasy, and as a believer, we are to point others to Christ, not hinder their walk with Christ. So that first first passage there in, in chapter fourteen, as we read it, we can see almost like these instructions that Paul is laying out for us of of the reason uh, to to step back and keep perspective of of the decisions that we're making. But then in fifth in chapter fifteen, he points us to the great example, and that is the example of Christ. The idea of servanthood and following what Christ did, you know, often it didn't make sense. And we read through the New Testament and the life of Christ and the hardships that he experienced and the servanthood that he displayed. And it feels beyond human understanding. But yet that is the example that we are to follow as believers in Christ. And this is what it says in chapter 15. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Guys, Christ was a servant. He displayed servanthood like no other. We are not in this to to please ourselves. So as a believer, we have an obligation to bear with the weak. It's not about us. It is about to serve those around us. We are to serve others and deny ourselves. We need to serve others and deny ourselves. He continues there in verse 2. He says, let each one of us please his neighbor for his good and to build him up. Guys, we are to encourage those around us. As we read in in the very first verse 1, those who are weak, they may fall, but we are called to serve those around us and to build up our neighbors. So we need to serve serve them and deny ourselves. We need to encourage and invest in, uh, in those around us because this is what Christ did for us. In verse 3, we're reminded of this. It says, For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the repro- Reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So those insults, so the in, those people that insulted you insulted me. And he's he's saying here in chapter three that we will be mistreated, but we have to forgive. Follow the example of Christ and forgive those who have mistreated us. Yeah, you know, I'm blown away when you read of you know the the last um, last days of Christ's life and his time on earth as he was a, a, approaching um, his death and the cross and the insults that were thrown upon him, um, the physical uh, trauma that he went through, uh, th- those things that he endured for us and to realize that he, um, he did this for us, that he forgave those who persecuted. He's forgiven us for denying him. So we will be mistreated as believers, but as he forgave, we must forgive as well. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope is verse four. Because we have to be a student of the word and we have to learn from these scriptures. We have been given the greatest instruction manual for life. We have the scriptures before us, and what was written in the book is for our guidance, is for our instruction, is for our encouragement, and it is through these scriptures that we will have hope. So when we get discouraged, when we feel lost, when we don't know what to do, guys, let us open up the Word. Let us study the Word. Let us dwell on it so that we can understand who the Lord has called us to be and how we can overcome those battles before us. It is through his word that we have hope. And then the last section of this, verses 5, 6, and 7, say this. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. You know, we started off with the therefore and we're ending with the therefore. And he reminds them in the beginning of chapter 14 there that there's been a lot of of judgment, right? There's been a lot of contempt. There's been a lot of things that have come out of your mouth um, to condemn others. And he's rounding out in verse 7. He says, now, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Christ has welcomed us into his family As sinful um, creatures, filthy rags, the least of these, guys, we we are so undeserving of the hope and the forgiveness that we have through Him and the blood that He shed for us on that cross. But yet He has welcomed us into His family. So just as He has welcomed us, guys, let us welcome those around us, those who are different from us, those who worship different different from us, those who look different from us, those who... Those who um, come from different backgrounds, let us welcome them. Let us share the hope of Christ with them, just as Christ has welcomed us into his family. We are called to live in unity and to live in peace with those around us. So let us welcome others as he has welcomed us. Guys, this week we're going we're gonna to be praying for um, our foster care program and, and the things that the Lord Is doing as we serve the most vulnerable and as we serve families and as we serve children through this foster care ministry and the Lord has been so good to us in opening up new partnerships for us um, to see new classes that are launching this semester with so many new churches um, throughout the nation so we want to we want to spend some time praying today for our foster care program and for those partnerships and Um, whether that be at a church, whether that be with with the state, um, whatever those partnerships may look like, we want to pray for um, increased favor in those. We want to pray for our foster families and for these children that are in care, that he may bless those. So let's just round out our time together, just praying for these relationships and opportunities as we expand our foster care program. God, we are so thankful for a ministry that you have shaped and called us to to be able to serve the most vulnerable to serve those who are in need and serve those who are broken and god may we read romans 14 and 15 and apply those to our hearts god to understand that um, lord you have welcomed us into your family So, God, may we be intentional in sharing that hope with others and welcoming them into the kingdom as well. And God, as we serve these these families and children, God, we pray to keep that in mind. Keep that at the forefront of our minds and on the tip of our tongue as we serve those around us. God, I pray for these these new partnerships and these churches that have um, agreed to work with us whether that be through hosting their first class or hosting their 17th class god we are so thankful for these churches who are stepped out and who are willing to um, lord not only open up their facilities god but to open up their body of believers um, to step in and to welcome children into their homes so God, we pray for these churches we pray for these partnerships and Lord, may you just lead and guide our team as they invest in these churches and these pastors and these congregations. God, we pray for new new partnerships, um, specifically this morning for these new ones that are just stepping out for the very first class that they've ever done. God, we pray for these efforts in these churches as they just step into engaging and caring for these children and foster families holistically. God, there are so many different facets of what foster care looks like. So Lord, we pray for a holistic approach, and we pray for our team just to be a resource for them as they navigate these waters for the first time. God, we also just pray for our um, relationships with DHR and DSS, um, and Lord, the other governmental entities that we partner with across the nation. Lord, we know that the, the road is tough. We know that the workload is a lot. So Lord, we pray for Um, encouragement for them lord we pray for our team to lord just to bear that burden with them lord may we partner together as we serve these children and care and support these families and lord we also just pray as we develop and strengthen our fostering hope program through the no more orphans initiative and we promote just a culture of what foster care looks like across the nation and for these churches lord may you bless what we're doing through foster care um, to glorify you So, Father, we love you. We thank you for another week to serve you. And God, as we head into a new month together, we'll keep our focus on you, keep our perspective on you, and we'll make you work
0: as we glorify you through our words and through our actions.
1: And these things we ask in your name. Amen.